In my 20s, I worked for a local radio station here in Cincinnati, and I had the opportunity to train as a promotions assistant. For those of you who may not know what a promotions assistant is, those are the people you see at different events around the city with your favorite radio station. They're in charge of setting up the event, they're in charge of executing the event as it goes on, and they're in charge of tearing things down and driving the van back to the station. That was me. Okay, and we had a ton of clients that paid good money for us to come out and put these events on for them. And I was so excited because I had really just gotten hired at this radio station and this was an opportunity for me to get a lot of face time with people at the station and with the different clients. And I just knew that this was the next right step in my career as a potential radio personality. After weeks of preparation and training, I finally got the green light to go ahead and launch my first event on my own and to run it, and it was a big deal. And I wanted to prove to everybody on the team that I had what it takes. Okay, this was my time to shine. I triple-checked my event preparation list. I double-checked the van to make sure it was packed and it was ready to go. I printed out the directions to the location because it was 2009, okay? GPS really wasn't a huge deal yet. <laughs> and it was, I was just, I was ready for this. I was ready to take this on. So the day of the event, the radio talent and I met up at the station and we carpooled together. And as we were driving and we were approaching the location, we saw this woman in, a, in the distance and she was waving her arms at us like a crazy person, like trying to get our attention. I was like, okay. This was obviously the sales rep who was at the event and she was like, like had this sense of urgency. Okay, and I was like, what's up? So we pulled up to the curb and I rolled down my window to receive instruction on where we needed to set up and where we could park to get things going. The greeting I received was a lot more abrasive than what I was expecting because she informed me we were over an hour late for the event. And you guys, panic started to stir within me because I, I did my job. I know I checked everything to a T and I, I instantly like whipped out my event sheet and I looked at the event sheet and per the event sheet, we had arrived on time, okay? And I tried to calmly show the sales rep, like, this is the information we were given. And she just brushed it off, said, you're wrong. Get the stuff. Let's go. And, like, she just totally brushed me off. There was no conversation, nothing. Guys, I was infuriated. And the radio talent with me, she witnessed the whole thing, too. And she was upset. And, you know, um, we powered through. We kept it professional. We put on the event. We set things up. And there was just this tension amongst our team. As we were tearing down, I, I just couldn't wait to get out of there. You know, I was feeling a lot of shame, a lot of regret after, of, over what had transpired. And the sales rep looked me in the eye and made sure to tell me, my sales manager will be notified of this. We'll see you Monday morning. And in that moment, I realized everything in... I had been working towards was in jeopardy. I went home that, that weekend, because I had two full days to think about everything that transpired, and I had a lot of unsettled anxiety, and I just, I really dreaded the thought of Monday morning.
Now, all of us in here may not have had an experience like this as a promotions assistant, but I bet we've all made mistakes. And our mistakes have a tendency to affect each other. We are all broken, we are all imperfect, and when you get enough of us together in a room, things get complicated. Friends, if we haven't met before, my name is Jane Dorman. I serve here on the teaching team at White Oak Christian Church, and it is a pleasure to be with you this morning, but I want you to know that I'm a work in progress. We all are, and I don't care if you are a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, I don't care if you are a lead campus pastor at a church or a stay-at-home parent, no matter what title you carry this morning. We are all humans in the process of sanctification. Whoa, that's a big word. Sanctification. It's a big church word that really means, and it's used to describe someone who is becoming holy or developing the character of God. We are all becoming better and more like God, but that process looks different for all of us. And we're all at different points of growth. We live in the now, but not quite yet, of God's kingdom. And that means that while we are all in this sanctification process, we all experience failure to live up to God's standards and his expectations of our full potential. And when that happens, our mess tends to spill upon one another. This last month, we've been talking about this idea of one anothering. 2023 is a year of activation where we are challenging you to move in the community that you are in and intentionally move in the lives of people so that you can point them to Jesus. The community that I'm talking about, though, is not just the community inside this, these walls of White Oak Christian Church Coleraine Campus, and it's not in the walls of White Oak Christian Church Ross Campus. We want you to look outside these walls on a regular basis, Monday through Saturday, and reach the communities that you're a part of every single day. Communities like your workplace, the local library, your family, sometimes those people are really hard to one another. <laughs> Your school, the PTA meetings, the school board meetings, your sports team, you name the place. If there's people, there's opportunity to one another. And here's the thing about one anothering. The best thing about one anothering is the people. And the hardest thing about one anothering is the people. As people who claim to follow Jesus, we have the power to build the kingdom and the lives of people in our community because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to bear spiritually good fruit as a result of our sanctification process. Fruit that gives the world that sweet taste of God's kingdom. As Christ's followers, we're called to die to ourselves each and every day, and to seek out the greater good for all as servants dedicated to the mission of building the kingdom in our current reality. And when we choose to follow Christ, the I, that goes away, and the we rises to the top. In order to one another, well, and make God's kingdom a reality, we need forgiveness. 
Forgiveness is a bridge that leads to freedom and to unity. Forgiveness restores, it renews, it revitalizes relationships. And most importantly, our why and our big idea for today is I forgive because I'm forgiven. I forgive because I'm forgiven. What does that even mean? Today we're gonna look at a passage of scripture that tells a story about the transformational power of forgiveness. It's activated through the act of confession and it's fueled by compassion. Now confession, or when we acknowledge, admit, or take ownership of our mistakes and wrongdoings, it activates the power of forgiveness, which initiates a process that redeems and restores the broken parts of our humanity. It builds bridges of relationship with one another. However, we have a choice to reckon with today. We can choose to forgive others through the divine power of God's transformational grace, or we can choose to live and judge in our own power and face the consequences of a hardened heart unmoved by God's grace. All of these things are represented in today's scripture. If you want to follow along with me, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be starting in verse 23. There is a story here that Jesus tells his disciples, and it is prompted by a question by Peter. I love Peter. Peter wants to know if he can finally stop giving second chances. Peter, the man who isn't afraid to say what's on everybody's mind, he has hashtag no filter, okay? But Jesus responds to Peter's question with a story, and I want us to read it together today. It's in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, we encounter our protagonist. 
It's a servant who owes this overwhelming debt to the king. He cannot pay it, and he is faced with a harsh reality that he deserved. In one final act of desperation, the servant begs the king for forgiveness of his debt. And the king takes mercy on the servant. He's moved by his confession, forgives his debt, and then he sends him on his way. The servant did not deserve forgiveness, but his confession activated the power of forgiveness, fueled by the king's compassion and mercy. Friends, this is our story. We all owe an overwhelming debt. The debt is sin. And every single human is marked by it in this room and outside these walls. And it's a direct result of the curse that was placed on all of us in the Garden of Eden. The curse as a consequence of our failure to choose love. Causing us to walk broken lives that hunger to be made whole. And when left to our own devices, we accumulate this debt of sin as we seek things of this world to satiate that hunger. And we just can't help it. I mean, we lie to protect our reputation and to receive praise from man. We allow pride or arrogance to build up walls that we really think are protecting us, but in reality, it's isolating us. We greedily harvest resources motivated by our fear of scarcity. We react in fits of anger when life disruptors cross our path. The heart, without the love of Jesus our King, is a chaotic mess. But when we encounter his love, he compassionately comes down to our level Reminding us of our true identity. God's grace is a gift that we do not deserve, yet he offers it freely through Jesus' sacrifice. And this grace, <clears throat> this grace brings us salvation, renewal, and restoration for a full life on earth and beyond. But we must accept it to experience its transformative power. The servant in the passage may have had his debt forgiven by the king, but he failed to receive the grace in his heart. And he allowed bitterness to take root, resulting in self-hatred. The protagonist in this story who has been forgiven this huge debt fails to show the same mercy to another servant who owes him a debt. Unlike the king, he chooses to demand payment instead of forgiving this behavior shows that he's missed the transformative power of grace and remains unmoved by it. Culture often prioritizes perfection, self-sufficiency, but acknowledging our mistakes and shortcomings makes us vulnerable and reminds us of our human complexities. One anothering requires community. And being in community with others means dealing with varying levels of baggage and brokenness and full disclosure of our mistakes is that first step to unlocking the power of forgiveness. Without the redeeming work of God's forgiveness in our hearts, we are the unmerciful servant. As Christ followers, when our hearts are transformed by grace, 
We are equipped to share that same forgiveness with others and restore relationships. I forgive because I'm forgiven. And we need a king to show us the way. The king in the story demonstrates the essence of compassion, which is crucial for us to understand as we consider the power of forgiveness. Compassion involves empathy, concern, and desire to help others who are suffering. Compassion helps us build resilience and foster a sense of community as individuals come together to support one another in times of need. And there are three dimensions of compassion that we should reflect on as we strive to experience the transformative love of God. It's self-compassion, extending compassion, and receiving compassion. Self-compassion means to forgive ourselves when we mess up and recognizing our imperfections. Since you've been forgiven, what mistake do you need to own and forgive yourself for so that you can experience God's transformational love? Extending compassion means showing mercy and grace towards others by understanding their misfortunes. Since you've been forgiven, how can you show mercy and gratitude towards others? Receiving compassion means embracing the undeserved kindness shown to us by others. Since you've been forgiven, what do you need to release in order to embrace the grace God offers you through Jesus? When we mess up and fall short, we can receive the gift of forgiveness from our King and Father Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we are called to consider the King's question this morning. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? This calls us to extend the same mercy and compassion that we have received to others. I forgive because I'm forgiven. So this morning I want to ask you, whose example are you living today? The unmerciful servant? Or our King Jesus? Because who we choose to follow and emulate has a great impact on our lives and our relationships with others. Jesus, our King, chose compassion and forgiveness over judgment and condemnation, and as a result, brought healing and transformation to those around him. On the other hand, the servant in the parable chose judgment and condemnation towards his fellow servant rather than extending mercy and compassion. It is important to ask ourselves, whose example am I living today? By embracing self-compassion, extending compassion towards others, and receiving compassion from others, we can follow the example of Jesus and bring love, healing, and forgiveness into this world. And one of the things I love most about Jesus is he is a wonderful storyteller, but he practices what he preaches. There's another story I want um, us to look at. It's recorded in the book of John chapter 8, where Jesus is teaching a bunch of people in the temple courts when all of a sudden religious leaders, in hopes they could trap Jesus into 
into an accusation, bring a woman caught in the act of adultery before him. Let's read this story starting in verse 4, John chapter 8, verse 4. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Now I want to pause here because Jesus claimed to be God's son. That caused a lot of controversy among religious leaders. And as the son of God, he would be the only person who had the power to judge others. In this moment, Jesus knew the conditions of the hearts of the religious leaders. He saw them, but he also saw the accused, vulnerable woman facing the reality of her debt through the vengeful eyes of judgment. And then in his mercy, Jesus reminds the religious elite of their sin by asking them this question. Let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Let's read what happens next in verse 9. At this, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus, with the power to judge the woman for her sin, chose to extend grace and compassion towards her, resulting in her life being transformed through forgiveness. Jesus dispels the notion that the woman was in a different category of sin and shows that everyone, including the self-righteous religious leaders, was guilty of sin except himself. Friends, he sees us in our mess. Despite our sin, no matter how far we have gone, Jesus sees you for who you really are, his beloved child. And he offers us forgiveness that releases the weight of our sin. He extends compassion. He looks you in the eye, reminds you of who he is, and forgives you. And then he releases us to go and sin no more. Will you receive his compassion through his generous gift of grace? Will you forgive yourself so that you can receive forgiveness and then extend forgiveness with people in the world that surround you. Compassion has the power to bring people together, heal wounds, and to create a better world. I forgive because I'm forgiven. Now, I wish I could say that forgiveness was easy and it was always two-sided. And with that, I want to share with you the rest of my story from today. Over the weekend, I had space to process the interactions I had at the radio event. 
This space allowed me to own up to my mistakes and to face this negative inner voice that was wreaking havoc in my head. I chose self-compassion and I surrendered my fears to the feet of Jesus as I mentally prepared for Monday morning. Monday morning came and everyone got together and we had a chance to share what happened at the radio event. Everybody shared their story that was present and they wanted to see how all our stories aligned together. Long story short, the team discovered there was a miscommunication of expectations between the promotions department and the sales department, and that was the root cause. So a plan was put in place to prohibit that so we could create a process to prevent future miscommunications amongst the team. And the team extended compassion towards me. Despite the mistakes that I made, but yet there was still one piece to this puzzle that got really tricky, and it was part of receiving compassion. Because as a formality, the sales rep was asked to apologize to me for the way she treated me that morning. And she did. And I'll be honest, it was very insincere. It was very obvious that it was just an obligation that she wanted to fulfill and move on with her day. Whew, man, I wanted to hold a grudge. <laughs> I sat there listening to her words, watching her body language. Uh, yeah, it was not a, not a great moment for me in that moment, and I was like ready to just whatever, move on, hold on to that tension that of, of anger. But then I felt oh, this gentle whisper. The Holy Spirit has a way of showing up sometimes. <laughs> and I felt the Holy Spirit say, let it go. Forgive her. And so I did. It was difficult, but with the help of God's grace, I was able to let go of my grudges and forgive her. The weight of the hurt was lifted and my heart was filled with peace. It, it was a transformative experience that showed me the power of forgiveness and compassion. You guys, forgiveness is hard. And it requires a certain level of humility impossible to offer in our own strength. And that's where our faith comes in. Because when we forgive, we're being invited to a new level of trust in God. Even if the forgiveness is not reciprocated. If someone chooses not to respond with forgiveness, it's in your power to forgive and to move forward in one anothering. Ephesians 4:32 says, "Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you." And my question for you this morning is this: Who do you need to extend forgiveness to today? I want to encourage you to consider this question seriously. Is it really worth it to hold on to that grudge? Or are you ready to move forward in redemption, reconciliation, and release through the act of forgiveness? You know, throughout this series, we've been encouraging you to take these one another cards, to take up the one another card challenge, and those are available to you in the back of the room. Grab one of those today. This is your call to action 
to see how forgiveness and compassion can bring healing to your relationships and bring you closer to God. I forgive because I'm forgiven. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your compassion, Father. Father, I am just so moved by this story. It reminds me again and again how much I do not deserve this gift of your grace. And it is humbling when you look us in the eye and you remind us of who we are, your beloved child. Father, I pray that you remind us this week of that truth. We are your beloved child. Help us to see others the way that you see ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.